So I can be, let's say, B2 in talking about football, but um, A1 in particle physics. So what, what does this mean for my, for my language skills? And suddenly you realize, wow, this is really complicated. And not just that, but it's, it's kind of ridiculous to break people into, into these groups. So that, that's why, that, that's my, my take on, um, on levels, right? Welcome to Stolaroid Stories, a podcast that will help you improve your English through inspiring conversations and personal stories. I'm Fabio Cerpelloni. I'm a professional English teacher. Welcome to the show. Ready? Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Stolaroid Stories. Welcome, guys. Special episode today. I'm going to have a conversation with Christian from Kanguro English. Who is Christian? Christian is my favorite English teacher on YouTube. Why is he my favorite? Well, go and find out on his YouTube channel because he's got a great YouTube channel and I find his videos very inspiring both for teachers and for students of English but for language learners in general. Christian is very popular on YouTube. His YouTube channel has got over 300,000 subscribers. He's got a community called the Kanguro English Academy, the Kanguro Academy. And Christian is very kind and humble because he donates the profits to charity to build schools around the world. And right now he's working on this project um, in Laos. Laos, Laos. I don't, I, know, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this country. I've been to this country, by the way, but I can't pronounce it. Anyway, Laos. And um, so he's got this charity, charity project um, to build schools around the world. And um, I discovered Christian when I was, uh, I was on a train. I was on a train. I was coming back from the British Council in Milan, where I used to work, and I was going home, and I I was on YouTube, and I found this video about uh, phrasal verbs, it was, um, the meaning of phrasal verbs, and I remember this video with Christian explaining with biscuits, with cookies, so this is how I first met Christian on YouTube, and then um, I started following Christian and his YouTube channel and today after five years Christian is here with me talking about language learning and teaching English and what language is and other stuff. So are you ready? Before we listen to him let me tell you that I organize book clubs and on Saturday 25th of February 2023 there will be a free event, a free book discussion session on Zoom. I will host this event and uh, you can join for free. It's a, speaking, it's a speaking class where we discuss chapter one from a famous self-help book called Atomic Habits. The link is in the show notes if you want to find out more about this event. And I hope to see you there now. Get ready because it's story time. Enjoy the conversation with 
the amazing Christian. Oh, um, sorry, I forgot to tell you one thing. This is part one of the conversation because Christian and I had a long conversation that lasted uh, one hour, so I had to split the episode. So you're you're now going to hear part one of the conversation. You will hear the rest, the, the second half, in the next episode. All right, get ready now, because it's story time. Hello, Christian, and welcome to Stolaroid Stories. I would never... I would have never thought that one day you would be one of my guests. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. Welcome to welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh Christian, in our conversation, in one of our conversations that we had before we started recording, um you said that you start your workshops when you give workshops to teachers, you always start with the same question, which is, what's language for you? And I'd like to start this episode in the same way. So, what's language for you? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think it's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, and, and actually, I, I first um, discovered this question uh, when I was reading a book by um, a a woman called Diane Larson Freeman, who is um, mm-hmm. who is a really uh, well-known um, uh, teacher and teacher trainer, and it's one of the first chapters of of her book. Uh, and in the first chapter, it says, um, "What what do you think language is?" And it, it seems like such a like not really an important question, um, but but then you realize that whatever your perspective of of what language is however you answer that question is going to affect everything that you do in the classroom because it affects how you think people learn language um what people's objectives should be when they um when when they are learning um what kind of materials you use just just everything um so and I think it's important to say probably that there's no one answer to this question and there's certainly no one correct answer, right? Mm. Um, even if you look at the the world of like professional linguistics, they are divided, right? Almost, almost divided in, in two. Like one half believe that language is just some kind of... Um, almost like a genetic accident, let's say, that it doesn't have any, um, you know, it doesn't have any particular purpose. Uh, it's just the same as, um, um, I don't know, um, any of the other accidents that happen from evolution, right? Whereas other people believe that um, language evolved because humans needed to communicate, right? And if you know me and the things that I talk about a lot, then you know that I'm definitely in the second category, right? I, I really believe that language is designed for and should be used for communication. Um, so to me, language is a, a tool for communication. That's the simple answer. Right? A tool for communication. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To, to me, to me, I mean, I agree with you. 
So you, you decided to become a teacher because you fell in love with language or, I mean, how did you decide or why did you decide to become a teacher? Was that an accident? Or? <laughs> yes, um, I did not decide to become a teacher. It was a complete oh. accident. And I kind of slowly fell in love with the, with the whole with everything about it, with the teaching, with um, how much how much there is to know. Um, and uh, I think an another thing that I, I need to be really honest about is that me personally, I am a terrible language learner, okay? I oh. am lazy, I'm not motivated, okay? The only reason that I can speak another language is pure necessity, Okay, mm, which is Spanish, right? Which is Spanish because you're based I, in Spain. Because I live in Spain, mm. exactly. And if I didn't live in Spain, like if if in the future I moved to a different country, I would not um, practice my Spanish like deliberately. No, um, so I would probably lose my Spanish skills very quickly. Um, and yeah. I think that's, um, you know, I think that's it gives me an interesting perspective where um, I look at people who are learning English, um, who, who dedicate themselves for hours and, and who are mm. really motivated. And I think, wow, you are, you are so impressive, right? Like I, I'm impressed, like well done. And, and, and it, it makes me really want to help those people as much as possible because um, mm. it's, I think it's rare not just to learn a language. I think it's rare to really be motivated to do anything in life, right? That's hard. That's really hard because yeah. learning a language takes such a long time, right? Not <laughs> you 30 know, days. You know, Fabio, you know. Because <laughs> um, uh, do, do you feel like you're, you're motivated? Like, are you a good language learner, do you think? I think I am. I think I am because I made it to a proficient level and I was very motivated to to become at some point I, I, I thought I want to become a teacher and that gave me an extra mm. motivational kick in the ass mm. and <laughs> so nice. that was uh, that was made me that was what made me um, keep learning because I wanted to in the end I wanted to become a teacher uh, so I'm not sure if I'm a good language learner. I know that if I have a goal and I really believe in it, then, but this is not just me. I mean, anyone who's got a goal and you, if you believe in this goal, then you just do it, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's not... Uh, I mean, I think, I think it's an important point, actually, because um, some, some students, when they choose a teacher to work with, um, sometimes they, they look at... The, the language skills of that teacher. And mm. it's, it may be on, I, I understand the logic. Okay. The logic is that if this person has achieved a really high level in, in, in English or a, 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 another language, then if I just copy what they do, then I will also have a really high level. Um, but I think it's a, a mistake to judge a teacher by their, their own language skills because you you can have um like let's say perfect english but just be a terrible teacher right yeah 
And also, conversely, you can have a, just an intermediate level of English, um, and yet you can be an amazing teacher because you know your job as a teacher is not to um, be a model for the students, right? So they can copy you. It's to kind of force them to do the hard work. So people should exactly you know students should really consider that when they're when they're choosing a teacher. I think. Yeah, and. This uh, brings me to the next question, which is what what do you think the problem is in the way we teach English or languages in, in general? Because I know that you have quite strong opinions about this. <laughs> I mean, it's clear from your your uh, YouTube videos, uh, but I want to hear it from you. What What's the problem with how we teach English or languages in general? Yeah. Um... On, on one hand, it's very difficult to generalize, right? Because we have thousands of teachers in different situations all over the world. But like after really considering it for a long time and, and after really reading a lot about the problems, I think basically the number one cause of the problems is testing. I think really oh. it all comes down to testing because... Testing forces um, teachers and students to um, to only study things that can be right or wrong, essentially. And so you to 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 be able to give a test, you have to break language down into these little problems. You know that we can that we can um, that we can mark yes yes or no, and. Mm. Um, it, it's really, it damages language teaching and language learning in basically every way. And I think that if you, if you removed the requirement of testing from, from any classroom, and if you also removed the idea of testing from the minds of students, and you said, um, our objective is not actually to, um, like learn this grammar structure and um, like memorize it and, and use it correctly. Um, if you need if you need to do it because of what we're talking about or if it appears because of what we're talking about, great. You know you should you should use it correctly. But um, you know our focus is is going to be on on communication um, hmm. and. I think that would just revolutionize a lot of classrooms if they didn't need to do, if they didn't need to do testing. So, um, so yeah, really, I think it's the, it's it's the enemy, right? Yeah. So you're 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 talking about tests, like the tests that uh, students do in class. But what about, for example, if I want to study in Australia? And uh, I need to, and I need to understand English. I need to be able to communicate in English. Do you think that institutions like schools in Australia, university in Australia, should not test a student? Like, how do they know? How would they know if this student cannot actually understand a lecture? Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So. Um... 
<laughs> it's it's a great question. It's a great question. And actually, I I feel like I um I am well informed on this subject. Okay. Hmm. Um, I think the first thing to remember is that a lot of these tests that universities and governments accept as a proof of level of English hmm. are fundamentally um, flawed. Okay, because a lot of them do not involve um, human interaction. Okay, a lot of them now are just based on computers. Okay, so again, we're just reducing everything to, to right and wrong answers. Um, and th the objective of these exams is to make money. Okay, to make an, an, an enormous amount of money. They are, mm -hmm. they generate an incredible amount of money for these companies, okay? That's that's the, the number one objective. It's a business, right? And um, there's very little evidence that shows that high scores on an exam like IELTS or TOEFL is equivalent to um, good academic results in university. There's no, there's no evidence that there's a, a correlation between those two things. And hmm. people like people like Jennifer Jenkins, who who has um, who has who, who's been studying this for, for for a while, their suggestion is is very simple. It's a very simple solution to the problem, which is self assessment. Okay, so hmm. in an ideal scenario, what you would do is you would present students with realistic examples of what they will find at the university. And then you mm. ask them, can you do this? For example, huh. you, you have a lecture on, on the website. You have a lecture, which is a typical example of a lecture that they will hear during their university studies. And you ask the student, can you understand this? Do you think that you will be able to understand this and do the work? And then they could decide yes or no. And then you say, okay, Great, you can understand it. Now, do you think you could write five pages of text, you know, arguing your your point about this subject? Yes or no? And they say, mm, yeah, maybe not. I don't think so. Okay, well, then you're not ready. Your English is not good enough. Come back next year. And that, mm. that, that, that's n number one, it's fair. But number two, it's actually, um, um, it's 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 a it's it's a true representation of what it's actually like to be able to to or to need to 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 use a language, um, and that's something completely different from what you find in a in like a a paid mm. exam, right? Mm. Um, mm. But you know, I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be negative, but. It's it's very difficult to change um, an industry when there's so much money to make, right? Yeah, and that's that's is, the problem. It's it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about levels because in one of your your YouTube videos, you said that you only mentioned something about you know the. C, E, F, R levels like A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2. Uh, and, you, and you say something like, you know how I 
you know, you know my position about levels, but I've never heard uh, this from you because I couldn't find it in in any of your videos. So, w is there anything wrong you think with with levels, like with assigning levels to language learners? Like I'm a you are level B1 or you are a B2 learner or mm. C1, whatever. Mm. But what's your uh, what's your opinion here? I think um, uh, so. We're going we're going against Cambridge now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, on on one hand, I I understand that you know in in the world in general we have systems of classification. No, we are yeah. Humans, we love to classify things. You know, we classify animals into different groups and, um, mm. you know, we classify, um, you know, books into different categories, okay? We, we really, we like to, to make categories of, of things. Um, yeah, because it makes it, I think, sorry, I think it yeah. makes it easier for us to, to understand the world, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, we, we want... We want order from chaos, no? Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. Um, but I think, you know, similar to the idea that, let's say, personality tests. No, there's plenty of personality tests where you can take um, 7 billion people who are on the planet from different cultures, different upbringings, different um, experiences, and you can just classify them into, I don't know, let's say four different personalities or 16 personalities, right? I mean, it's, if you really think about it, it's just ridiculous, okay? We, we are, mm. humans are very complicated creatures. Um, and I think similar, you know, the, similarly, you know, the idea that you can classify somebody's language level into six, 10, whatever, 20 categories. Um, fine. Okay. It's like a useful, maybe in some, in some situations, a useful tool, but I think that students and teachers put too much importance on that and too much, um, too much, too much weight on those, mm. those, those categories. Um, and, just to give you a, a, an example of how it can really depend, um, you know, there are, um, if, if we look at Mandarin, okay, mm. if, if you want to, to learn Mandarin, if you want to learn to speak Mandarin, um, the, the way that Mandarin works is the, let's say the, some of the grammar is quite simple. So you can actually learn to produce sentences um, quite quickly, okay? And you can also um, learn to understand, you know, let's say quite quickly. Um, hmm. So you could have a student, um, and again, I'm just inventing numbers here, mm -hmm. okay? Let's say you could have a student who um, intensely focuses on conversation and in six months, they have really kind of solid conversational Mandarin, okay? So they can do a lot of day-to-day -day things they need to do, but they're writing, okay? They're, they're Mandarin writing. That is, a, that is a, a lifetime of work, okay? So you could have 
one skill which is really well developed, let's say, you know, B2, and then you can have mm -hmm. another skill in the language which is basically zero, right? Zero, yeah. Um, and that's just an example. But then what about if, if we start to talk about some of the other ways that language is different, not just um, conversation and writing? What about the difference between conversations about um, particle physics or conversations about football? They both have completely different vocabulary. They require different knowledge. They have different... Um, like ways of expressing things. So I can be, let's say, B2 in talking about football, but um, mm -hmm. A1 in particle physics. So what, what does this mean for my, for my language skills? And suddenly you realize, wow, this is really complicated. And not just that, but it's, it's kind of ridiculous to break people into, into these groups. So that, mm -hmm. that's why, that, that's my, my take on, um, on levels, right? Right. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Finally, yeah. I, uh, I'm clear about that too. Um, <laughs> you're a teacher, and then you became a YouTuber. Mm. And mm. I, I've already told you this, but your YouTube videos, like, if you're a learner of English, like, there's no way you, you cannot, not know about your YouTube channel. I, that was a terrible sentence, but t teachers. <laughs> And learners of English should watch, must watch your your videos because first of all they're very well made. Like they are, like you, it's like a, a you're a movie maker. Uh, I've seen the one that you have on your uh, the first one that you pinned to the top of your of your YouTube channel, and there's even a drone that goes up the up the hill in in I don't know where, where is that Spain or Australia. No, it's yes, it's where, where I live in Spain. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, so, what made you become a YouTuber? Why did you? So, did you then decide? Okay, maybe I can't reach uh, a lot of people by only teaching there in locally, and you started to to make videos. Yeah. Um, so all all of my life since I was. Um, very young, I've been interested in in, in filmmaking. Um, I used to make um, films on Super 8, Super 8 film, right? I, I made uh, short films. And then when, um, when video cameras came out, I, I used to shoot short films on, on VHS and then Hi8. And so I've always been interested in, in, in filmmaking. Um, hmm. um, and watching movies. And so, um, the, the work that I do now, which is the combination of, um, teaching English and, and talking about language, which I love, and also, hmm. um, being able to make kind of little mini films for me, it's perfect. Okay. It's my, my, my dream job. No. Um, mm -hmm. but Actually, the, that's not why I started my, my YouTube channel. I started my YouTube channel because um, I wanted to be completely correct, really. Okay, like oh. I, I saw a lot of videos about different subjects and I thought, well, that's not right. Like I know that's wrong. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't tell people that. It's not correct. 
And so if you look at my very first videos, they were actually, um, basically I was kind of regurgitating grammar books. Okay. I think my first video was like present simple. And then my second video was present continuous. And it was very detailed step by step. Here are the rules. Here are the exceptions. And, and also exam preparation. Also exam preparation. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I did that. And, but it's um, there. It's still there. So you didn't delete it. So that's no, um, no, I didn't. I didn't delete it. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't looked, watched those videos for, for many years, but um, I'm absolutely sure that I, that I disagree with many of the things that I said. Um, but it shows that you've, you've evolved, right? Yeah, I, I think it's part of the, the process. I, I'm sure you, mm. you have also changed your mind about many things that you... That <laughs> in the yeah. past, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, how can we grow if we... If we always have the same ideas yeah yeah exactly um yeah um so yeah i i have now i very rarely make videos talking about grammar um mm. i think i think because there's already a lot of really great information about grammar subjects on the internet on youtube people who make you know really good videos about the details um mm -hmm. so i try to focus more on um mindset you know motivating people um maybe philosophy of language things like yeah. that um, yeah and also you bring a lot of research like evidence uh into your videos and you've also interviewed like very popular uh figures in our industry like paul nation scott thornbury mm. all like um polyglots linguists uh i mean why yeah um see this is something that i also that i've also changed my mind about right so mm. i i went through a little phase um like a few years where really i became just obsessed with the the scientific research you know and i said okay so somebody published this this new thing so this is like the truth. So this is, we should, we should all be doing this in the classroom. And I was very kind of obsessed about um, the, let's say the scientific evidence. Um, hmm. But, but then um, somebody convinced me that the evidence from teachers in the classroom is just as important or maybe not even more important than what happens like in a laboratory, no, in, in a controlled setting. Um, mm. And so now really I, um, I, I think it's important to, 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 to look at, let's say, the scientific evidence and, um, and to understand where, where there's like a, a lot of evidence that something is true or not. But it's also really important to reflect as a teacher, like, okay, the evidence says I should do this, but is it realistic? Like, will my students tolerate it? Maybe it's absolutely the best way to learn vocabulary, but I can't do it because it's too boring for people or because I'm teaching three-year-olds and I can't do that with them or because I'm teaching adults and I can't do that with them. So, you know, you really have to, 
um, consider just your your human experience, no, as well. Um, yeah, and what's plausible as well. What's plausible, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, have you ever heard of a guy called Michael Pollan? He's a, no. He's like a food critic slash food scientist slash doctor, okay? Um, and he wrote a book about basically healthy eating, okay? And in the book, he, he describes um, the perfect way to, the perfect diet, okay? Mm. So he, he's, a, he's, a, it's, he's a, basically a food scientist, okay? And his description of the perfect diet was um, um, eat, uh, eat everything, mm-hmm. but not, not too much of everything, and mainly vegetables, <laughs> okay? That, that, that's basically it. And like, <laughs> of course, there's, there's more detail, Okay, but in reality, it, it's very simple. No, I think we all, as humans, we have a sense of what's healthy to eat. No, we know that yeah. we probably shouldn't eat a kilogram of beef every day, and we shouldn't just only eat chocolate. Um, we have a sense, no, in, a sense in ourselves that um, we need a balanced diet, a little bit of everything. Okay, um, and I think. People also have this sense about language, if they really think about it. They know that if I spend all of my time just studying grammar, probably my results are not going to be very good when I try to have a conversation or try to watch Netflix. You know, we need a balanced learning diet. Um, And people should follow their instinct about that, right? And... I think it's human nature. It's human nature that we we kind of follow, we follow systems or even people who can promise big things. It's like, you know, if you only eat meat, you will lose ten kilos and you'll be the healthiest person ever. And you're like, wow, this is what I need—the meat diet. Okay, um, and it's attractive, but you know, it's not it's not real, no. And it's the same with. I think it was the same with with a lot of language learning promises. They're very attractive to people. Like, you know, uh, I have developed this new system and you're going to get fluent in 30 days. People go, wow, Mm. finally. Mm. But again, it's not not real. And um, it's just the same old boring advice. Everything in moderation, little bit of everything and and you'll be good. All right, I hope you enjoyed the first half of the conversation with Christian. You will hear the second half in the next episode. I just wanted to remind you that if you want to participate in the free speaking class that I'm hosting on the 25th of February, uh, we're going to discuss chapter one from a famous self-help book. The link is in the show notes. The event is free. It's a chance to read something interesting and practice your English a little bit with other people. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will join the next episode of Stolarite Stories with another true story. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.